thank you folks for that wonderful selection of music today. Certainly, uh, it was meaningful and, and revealed the presence of the Lord here this morning. Every week on Monday afternoon when I would meet with my group at Forest Ridge, we would do um, and then have an opportunity just to stop and pray. Speaking of that, I had not shared with you that two weeks ago they called me and and invited me to come back to speak and to uh, uh, spend time with the folks there at Forest Ridge. So um, it has been such a wonderful blessing. Monday has just been re-energized for me. Uh, being able to go up there and um, I, I spend time in the Horizon Wing, which is our, their memory wing, and then I spend time with the folks and the other. And it's just been so good to reconnect with them after a year uh, of being away from them. And uh, so what a blessing it's been. Uh, last week we looked at Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, and I shared with you that prayer is more than a cry for help. Uh, today, I want to dig a little deeper into what the Apostle Paul is writing here in Colossians chapter 4 and look at verses 2 through 4, and I want to talk to you about the prayer that goes beyond ourselves. Now, before we get to that, I want to just remind you that we're in the midst of a series, and uh, that series is on some spiritual disciplines that we need in our life. Uh, a few weeks ago, we started this, and I looked at the fact that we need to be in the Word of the Lord. God's Word needs to be in us, and we need to be in it. And uh, we talked a couple of uh, weeks about that, and then we presented to you a, a year-long Bible reading plan and trying to encourage you to get into the Word of God every week. Um, and it may not be every day for some of you, uh, but we hope that at least four to five times a week that you are spending some time in God's Word. Uh, there are many yearly Bible plans. Uh, matter of fact, we were uh, with my grandkids yesterday, and, and they're doing one where they bought a Bible that's a 365-day reading plan, and, and it breaks it up differently than what we did. And last week, I talked to Gina, and Gina said, well, I, I'm doing another one chronologically, and there's all kinds. I don't care which one you're doing. I care that you're doing one, that you're doing something. And just to top it off, as Josh said, I want you right out back there, uh, there is plenty of these. I want every person to pick one of these up. Uh, starting Wednesday is, is what we call Lent, and that's an opportunity for us to begin a sacrificial time of 40 days of sacrifice preparing to come to the time of Easter. Easter should be our most glorious uh, Christian celebration that our Savior who died for us didn't stay dead, but uh, He has risen again. And He is alive and He is seated at the right hand of the Father. But we need to get into the right spirit to be able to worship the Lord for what He's done. In this little book, um, uh, O.S. Hawkins is one of my uh, uh, kind of favorite modern day writers. He works for uh, the you know worked for the convention. He works for the Southern Baptist. He he he's just an excellent writer. He's been a pastor for many years. Uh, I believe you'll be impressed with this book as it just gives you a simple step, and it'll just take you on a forty-day journey, getting your heart and mind prepared for what Jesus has done for us. We need to be in the Word, so the Word can be in us. But it's not enough just to be in the Word. We need to recognize the second spiritual principle in which we need to have in our life is that of prayer. And we need to know how to pray and when to pray and what to pray. And, and we need to know that we have a God who hears our prayers and a God who answers our prayers. Otherwise, the spiritual discipline of prayer gets lost in the fact that why should I bother if God already knows uh, what I need? Why should I bother wasting my time to ask Him for something He already knows? Well, there is a reason for that. And there's a reason why we pray and how we pray and when we pray and what we pray. And so we're looking at some of those things. So last week I, I, I tried to get you to understand that we're to pray continuously, persistently, passionately. We're to pray all the time because the Word of God reminds us that our prayer life should not be just something that we do when we're in trouble. 
should be something that we're doing every day, a constant communication with our Heavenly Father. Today, I want to talk about the fact that there is a great need in prayer that we all have, and that is for others to pray for us, and for us to pray for others. We need to be reminded that prayer is beyond ourselves. It's not just a prayer for help. It's not just a prayer to give me. It's a prayer beyond ourselves. It's a prayer that says, Lord, I know there are people hurting, and I know there are people in need, and I know there are people that are struggling, and I know there are people that need to and want to grow in you, and Lord, I want to pray for them in this way. And we're going to talk about that today. I want to just give you a preview. Next week, what we're going to do in the final, I think, message on prayer is we're going to talk about how to pray for others and ourselves through Scripture. The Bible is the best tool, again, when we're in the Word, and the Word is in us, and we're in prayer, and prayer is in us, then what greater way could we pray than to pray the very Word of God back to God? We're going to talk about how to do that, we're going to actually, next week, so don't get scared and stay home, we're going to practice that next week in the service. All right? So um, that's just a cue for Josh to get ready, because he's going to lead us in it. So just, just, you know, helping him out here. He didn't know it, but we just wanted him to, to catch that drift. All right? All right, so if you've got your Bibles open, I've given you plenty of time to find Colossians chapter 4. Let's stand together as we honor the reading of the Word of the Lord. In Colossians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 2, and then I want to just read uh, verses 2 down through verse 4. And here's what the Apostle Paul says to us. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. We're all praying also for us that God would open up uh, unto us a door of utterance to speak the mysteries of, of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. All right, we've just sung that song, a Sweet Hour of Prayer, so let's just go to that sweet moment of prayer. Father, we just thank you for the word of the Lord that is talking about prayer and praying for others and how we ought to pray for others. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, be with us this morning. I pray that you would inspire and encourage your children, Father, to recognize that they can be a part of, uh, of helping others grow in Christ, helping others to, to meet the needs that they have in their lives, helping others to get out of the swamp and uh, on high ground standing on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would show us, O oh Lord, how that we can pray for others and what that does for us. And so, Lord, would you move me out of the way and hide me behind that wonderful cross that reminds us of the sacrifice that Jesus paid so long ago for all of us so that we could come into a salvation experience and, and create a relationship with you and our Heavenly Father once again. And, Lord, that we could walk daily with you in your word and in prayer. So, Father, use this time, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. So let me begin by asking a couple of questions this morning. Now, if someone was to walk up to you and to ask you, how can I pray for you, what would you say? Would you have something specific? Or what would you tell them? Well, sometimes we might. Sometimes we don't. Or sometimes we're a little bit embarrassed by what we're going through that we have brought upon ourselves, that we're so embarrassed to ask someone to pray for us, to help us to get out of the mess in which we've gotten ourselves in. What do we say? We say, no, I'm good. I'm fine. It's all good. And we walk away recognizing that we just missed out on a great opportunity for someone to help us pray us out of this mess. Sometimes we have specific things in which we want people to pray. Other times we don't. Sometimes we're embarrassed to even ask for folks to pray for us. So let me ask you this. Do you know how to pray for someone else? Do you know how that if someone else came to you and said, would you pray for me? Do you know how to pray for them in a way that you can help them get out of the mess that they're in? or out of the struggle that they're in, or out of the hardship that they're in, or, or uh, to just sense in the presence of God in the time in which they need? Do you know how to pray for someone? Well, your answer might be something like this. 
You might be saying or thinking, well, you know, I have so many of my own issues. I really don't have time to pray for other people. When I come to the Lord in prayer, I've got to talk about me. You know, it's all about me. There's that song, you know, me, me, me. I, I, you know, uh, we all sing it uh, time to time. (laughs) All right. Um, we, We might say, well, you know, if I didn't have so many problems, I could pray for others. Well, my friends, I don't know that we really have too many problems that we can't pray for others as much as I think that perhaps maybe it's that we don't think we need to pray for others. Or maybe it's that fact that we say, you know, I really don't care about your problems. I really care about mine. Maybe the problem isn't that we don't know how to pray. The problem is that our prayer life is in such a mess we don't pray. Have you ever prayed for someone like this? Father, please bless them, I pray. I know I have. And it ain't very long after the words get out of my mouth that the conviction of the Lord comes upon me and it says, is that the best that you can do? Can you not be more specific as to what you want me to do? You know, I think that we all struggle from time to time with what to pray for others, how to pray for others. You know, when we pray a generic prayer like that, I'm always reminded of that, you know, the, the, the similarities to the champion of all generic prayers. I've heard it in churches before. When they call upon us to pray for those that are, that are out there doing the work of the gospel, and here's our prayer. Lord, bless all the missionaries out there. Really? Is that the best we can do? Is that all that we know to do? The truth of the matter is, I think that there are many of us that struggle with how to pray for others. And without the teaching of someone to walk us through that process, I know I would not have learned how to pray for others. I'm thankful for the men that mentored me, that taught me how to pray for others. I said, it's not about you. It's not even really about them. It's about God. I remember one time when uh, one of my mentors told me that when praying for lost people, you know, we oftentimes pray that they'll just get right and get saved. (laughs) But he said, you know what? It's really not about that. It's really about the fact that God deserves their praise, their honor, and their worship. Pray that they will get saved so that they can get about doing what God deserves. Wow, what a different way over the years I've used in praying for lost people. You know, praying for them because God says He deserves our praise. He deserves our worship. He deserves our relationship. And unless we're saved, we can't give Him any of that. And so it's about praying for those things more than praying just to get somebody out of trouble. I don't know about you, but I know that praying for others, and what we call that is intercessory prayer, is something that we all should want to learn how to improve upon. As Christians, we all ought to say, you know what? I need to improve my intercessory prayer life. That means praying for other people and not just for me. So we're going to talk about a couple of things today. First of all, we're going to go back and look very quickly at verse 2. And I want to talk to you this morning about a Christian's responsibility to intercessory prayer. You see, the Bible tells us over and over again that we have a responsibility to pray for others. In in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, continue and pray and watch in the same with thanksgiving. But I want to take us to another verse real quick, so just listen up and follow along. Believers are commanded in James chapter 5 and verse 17 to pray for one another. 
In the immediate context of James chapter 5, the the passage uh, is about the mutual intercessory prayers of others that you may be healed. All right? It's a paragraph about praying for in faith for those who are sick. Now, you might say, well, yeah, I always pray for the sick. You know, that list that you give us every week, I pray for those sick folk on that list. But are we really praying for those sick folks on that list, or are we simply praying, Lord, bless them? See, I think there's a big difference. You see, the Bible tells us not only there, but through the rest of the New Testament, it makes it clear that we have a responsibility as Christians to pray one for another. However, it's not limited to just praying for the sick and the afflicted of the body. Repeatedly, the Apostle Paul pleads such things as, brethren, pray for us. And then even in his own letters to the churches, he, he testifies of the prayers that he prayed for each and every one of them. Even Jesus himself asked prayers of Peter, James, and John when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane the night that he was betrayed. And he said, please pray for me as my heart and my my soul is unto death. One of the four chief characteristics that we find in the book of Acts in the first century church in Jerusalem right after Pentecost was that they were, to, they were devoted to prayer, but they were devoted themselves to prayer. All right? Now, think about it. Can anyone doubt that those prayers not only included prayers for the growth of the church, but also for the saints of the church? I think they did. I think there's plenty of evidence of it. While intercessory for others may have become more common among believers after Pentecost, it certainly wasn't unusual for us to go across the Old Testament and find times where people were praying, and I'm only going to give you one, but I found several. Uh, For example, in 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 23, as Samuel assures his followers, the Israelites, that he's praying for them, he says, moreover, as for me... God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Think about it. All the way back in the Old Testament, Samuel the prophet said that his responsibility, and it was a sin before God not to pray one for another. Giving that, bearing the burdens of others in prayer is characteristically a Christian thing to do. But what does praying for one another really look like? While each situation has a specific uh, things to it, it should always start with a prayer that goes beyond ourselves. It is something that we need to pray beyond ourselves for others. So today, really what I want to focus on is what are the effects of praying intercessory prayers for one another? What effect does it have on them, and what effect does it have on us? What is the reason that I should pray? Did God's Word give us any clarity to this idea or this thing, or do we just have to kind of stumble upon its knowledge along the way as we try to pray? No, God's Word is very clear as to what it says to us about some of the effects about praying intercessory prayers. Now, in verses 3 and 4, look at what we see here in Colossians. We're all praying also for us. There's that desire for that intercessory prayer, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak of the mystery of Christ, for which I also am in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And we'll break that down a little bit as we kind of go along. Intercessory prayer is basically... Praying for others. It is praying for God's will to be done in the lives of the people around us. Not only is there far too little praying being offered up these days, I believe there's far too much that is offered that is purely selfish prayers. It's all about us. Lord, give me this. Lord, give me that. Lord, do this for me. Lord, do that for me. Bless me, O Lord. Bless my family, O God. 
However, when we go through the Scripture and we read the prayers that are found throughout the Scripture, we find that there is more prayer for others than there are for themselves. So I want to take a few moments and just speedily go through a few prayers that we find in the New Testament that uh, are about prayers that Jesus has prayed. And as you look at them, you're going to find that the large majority of Jesus' prayer life was devoted to praying for others. So the first thing that we see as an effect for our prayer life is intercessory prayer characterizes the prayer life of Jesus. How many of us want to be like Jesus? Does anybody else want to be like Jesus? I, I tell God every day, make me less like me. I know me. Make me less like me and more like thee. I want to be more like Jesus. Well, one of the great ways that we can be more like Jesus is to learn how Jesus prayed so that we can pray like Jesus, so that we can become more like Jesus. And let's go back, and we're going to begin in the Old Testament, and then we're going to move all the way to the New Testament. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12, he says, He himself bore the sins of many and interceded for the transgressors. Now, Isaiah reminds us that when Jesus comes, he is going to bear the sins of many, and he's going to pray intercessory prayers for every one of those. Now, let's look at how he did that. In Luke chapter 22, verse 32, Jesus tells Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, he tells us on the cross, Jesus was praying for others when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And then in John chapter 14 and verse 16, Jesus intercedes for you and I, asking the Father to send the Holy Spirit to remain with us. And then in John chapter 17, verse 9, he prayed for us, the church. 2,000 plus years ago, Jesus prayed for this church today, for the church of this century and the church of next century, if God should tarry. And we'll have that prayer, and, it's, and it says this, as he prays for us in his high priestly prayer, listen to the intercessory nature of Jesus' prayer. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them that thou hast given me, for they are thine. You see, the Lord Jesus, in, 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 before he died on the cross, prayed for the church because he knew that he was leaving the church behind to do the work. He said, I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for the children of God, those that, are, that, that have come to a saving knowledge of, uh, through me and that are your children, Father. I'm praying for them. If that's you and I today, it is me. If it, I hope it's you today. I am a child of God, and that says that Jesus prayed for me, that I might be what he wants me to be as I walk through this life that he's given me to live. Then in Romans chapter 8 and verse 34, it tells us that Jesus now is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. You see, Jesus didn't stop praying for us when he went to the cross and went to the grave and rose from the grave and then went to sit with the Father. He is still praying for us. He is still making intercession for us. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that... that when times when I'm going through something and I don't know that anybody else knows what I'm going through and anybody else is praying for me, I know Jesus is praying for me. And then in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, he says, Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Mm. You hear the passion? You hear the love in there? He didn't just say, I've got to pray for them again. It seems like all I'm doing is praying for them. They just get it together. No. His heart is that he loves to pray for us. He loves us so that he wants the best for us. He wants to make intercession for us. One of the most misunderstood realities of discipleship, now listen to me, 
One of the most misunderstood realities of discipleship, and by the way, that's the reason that we're talking about spiritual disciplines, because the spiritual disciplines are the way in which we are discipled to be more like Christ and less like us. But one of the misunderstood realities of this is the fact that they were never for purely selfish reasons. God's purpose in making us more like Jesus is not in an, an end to itself. It is always the purpose. He wants to conform you to the image of Jesus so that you can continue on with the work that Jesus left us to do. In John chapter 20 and verse 21, Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, I so send you. You see, we can never go through with what God has called us to do if we're not being more like Christ. If we're not growing, if we're not discipling, it's not about you. It's about you living for Christ to do the will of the Father which has sent Jesus into the world and who Jesus has sent us to continue in the world. Our purpose is spiritual growth is not merely to enjoy the personal benefits a fellowship with God. Though this is certainly a glorified benefit as Tom prayed for us downstairs before that the presence of the Lord would be in this place and that we would sense it and feel it and, and I'm so glad that the God of the universe is with us today right here in this place. But it's not just about those glorious benefits. It's ultimately to become more useful in the kingdom, and to carry out the great commission of making disciples of all nations and embodying the great command, which is to love our Lord the God, our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. This finds its ultimate expression when we help others come into that personal relationship with Christ. And then as we pray for others to continue to grow in that relationship with Christ. Understanding the power of prayer, Paul wanted to be sure that the Colossian Christians here in chapter 4 understood what it was that they were to pray for. You might be here today and say, oh, I don't know what to pray for my fellow Christian or fellow brother. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about that next week when we talk about praying Scripture. But listen to what Paul said. Look at what it says here. He says, we're all praying for also for us. And then he says, here's what I want you to pray for us. That God would open up a door of opportunity so that we might speak the gospel. One of the greatest things that you can pray for your fellow brother or sister in Christ is God open up an opportunity for them to tell somebody about what saving grace means to them, what God has done for them. God, give them somebody that they can, can say, here's what God has done for me. How many times a day does people ask you, how are you doing? How many times have we said, good? When we should have said, you know what, let me tell you what my God has done for me today. Those are opportunities that somebody has prayed for you to tell somebody about God's goodness and we missed an opportunity because we just simply said we're good. And what, well, by the way, let me just remind you, you lied. You lied. Now here's why you lied. Because the Bible says, no, none are good. <laughs> no, not one. Only God is good. You see, we all need something. We need Jesus. All right? So we need to understand that Paul is saying, listen, pray for me. Pray that I might be able to share the gospel because Paul's life was all about preaching the gospel. As a matter of fact, he goes on to tell us here in this very passage, he said, for that gospel's sake, I am in prison. I'm in bonds. For the love of preaching the gospel, I'm in prison. Folks, you know there's people around the world today that are in prison because they love to preach the gospel. And in the way the world is going today, we need to be careful not to just forget that. We need to be remembered of that because it may come knocking on our shores very soon. 
And so the Bible tells us that Paul says, pray for me. He didn't ask them to, to, to pray um, for his legal situation. He didn't even ask them to pray, get me out of this jail. He simply said, pray that I will have opportunity to lead someone to Christ. Pray that I'll have opportunity to preach the gospel as I feel called by God to do. Help me to build the kingdom of God wherever God places me, is what Paul says. I shared this last week, but in preparing for this week, I, I just it kept coming back to my mind, and I wanted you to hear this quote again. When I read it a few weeks ago, it just begin to resonate in my heart as I pray every week about, Lord, don't let me just preach the gospel. Don't let me just preach, but let me preach with power. Let me preach with, with, with assurance that you're going to take your word and use it. And so long ago, Charles Spurgeon wrote this, and it just speaks to me. It says, if the spirit of prayer is not with his people, the minister may preach like an angel, but cannot expect success. There may be in the church wealth and talent and labor and many outreach efforts, but the Lord is not there. Prayer is a sure evidence of the presence of God as a rising of the thermometer is evident of an increase in temperature. If God is near a church... It must pray. If he's not, one of the obvious signs of his absence will be the lethargic prayer life of the people. Paul was always concerned with doing the will of God. And he knew that in order to have the power to do the will of God, he was going to need the prayers of others. And that's the same today. To stand behind this desk during this crazy time of life, perhaps I've experienced or realized the, the need for those prayers. With the uncertainty of how to lead the church through a pandemic, I've never done it before. I've never experienced something like this before. I've, I've taken small churches and made them bigger. I've taken big churches and made them smaller. <laughs> Okay? But I've never lived through and led a church through a pandemic. I don't know what I'm doing. And that's why the power of praying for others is so important, so needed. We don't, none of us know what we're doing. We don't know how to take today, let alone take tomorrow, apart from what we talked about in Sunday school this morning, unless we hide in that secret place of the Lord. Unless we're walking with Him every day. And Paul knew that. And he asked them, pray for us, so that we might build the kingdom of God while we have opportunity. If you and I were able to chronicle our prayer life, knowing how much time you spent in different things, how much of your day would be spent in praying for others, for the health and well-being of your loved ones, compared to how much time you're praying for the lost or for the saint to be a witness for others so that others who are lost won't be lost forever. The second effect is not only that it makes us pray like Jesus, become more like Christ. Intercessory prayer changes things. There are always those, even believers, who are doubters. A good friend recently sharing his concerns about where he sees the world going, the church going, you know, is struggling with why bother praying? 
doesn't seem to be changing a thing. But I believe it does. I believe prayer changes things. I read a story, um, and I wanted to share it with you. Howard Hendricks, one of the, uh, uh, the professors at Dallas Theological Seminary, great writer, uh, great pastor, uh, shared this story in one of his uh, writings. And it said that as he was uh, uh, teaching there at Dallas Seminary and pastoring a, a small church there in Dallas, he said that he was having trouble coming up with a junior high boys Sunday school teacher. He said he just couldn't find anybody to do it. And so they came back with one name this young man, and he looked at the only name on the list, and he said, you've got to be kidding me. He said, this will never work. But he gave the young boy uh, an opportunity, and he watched, and weeks later, the, ch the, the, the Sunday school class was thriving and growing and vibrant. It was one of the best. And so curious as to what was going on, what was taking place, he called the young man to his house and said, come to my house and have lunch with me. And he began to ask the young man, he said, what are you doing? What is the secret to your success? The young man reached into his pocket and pulled out a little black book. And he began to flip open the page and there was a little picture of each of the boys in his class. And just below it was a, a, a sentence or two about those young boys. One was that he's struggling in uh, arithmetic. Another one that he flipped said that he is coming to church against his parents' wishes. Another one, he flipped a page and he looked and he said, this one, he wants to be a missionary but he doesn't have the self-confidence to think that he has anything worth doing. He said, what I do is every day I break open this book and I look at each of these pictures and I pray for them by name for these things. And he said, and I can't wait until Sunday comes to see what God has done. You see, prayer makes a difference. It changes things. It changes people. When you pray for others, when you pray for God's work to be done, He, the Lord, will accomplish His will and His work through your prayers. He will begin to use you and grow you in ways that you yourself are astonished. He'll begin to grow and to use people that you're praying for in ways that you can't even begin to imagine. Sometimes I think we do not become what God wants us to become because we are too focused on ourselves and not on others. It's when we pray for others that we will become more like Jesus. And as we become more like Jesus, we will grow, He will grow us more like Him and show us more, and then even use us more. And then the third thing that I think the effects of intercessory prayer brings is intercessory prayer changes us. So just very quickly, I want to give you five ways that intercessory prayer can change your life. Prayer initializes the burden. If you don't have a burden for somebody, you're not going to pray for them much. Now, you might pray for them sometimes, but you're not going to pray for them much. Prayer deepens our ownership of the burden and the partnership with God for the life of that person. As we pray, we begin to become more aware of how God might use us to answer the prayers that we're praying. How He might involve us in ways that we had never seen before and didn't know that we could even be a part of. Prayer initializes a burden within our heart that God begins to burn a fire in us that says that I can't let go of this until I see God bless them. 
till I see God use them, till I see God move them, till I see God move me, use me in their life. The second thing that prayer does for us is prayer forces us to wait. None of us are patient people. Trust me, I know. I'm not. Part of prayer is always waiting for God. Isn't it great? God doesn't work on our timetable. Come on. You know, I got things to do. I got places to go. I got people to meet. God, you, you got you, you to start getting on my time. To, wait a minute, no. When I start spouting that, which I do quite often, and, hey, I'm being honest here, so the rest of you has better start. All right? I'm not in this boat alone. And I start spouting with God that, that he needs to get on my timetable. God reminds me that it's not about my timetable. It's about his timetable. And then he reminds me that, you know, prayer is answered in one of three ways. Yes, no. Wait. Just wait. Just wait for me to show up. Boy, that's the hardest thing for any of us to do, is it not? Just wait for God to show up. Just waiting for him to show up. John MacArthur says, There is a tension between boldness and waiting on God's will. That tension is resolved by being persistent yet accepting God's answer when it finally comes. There's the key. Instead of getting frustrated that God is not on your schedule, prayer forces us to be on God's timetable. Number three, prayer opens our spiritual eyes. I love this one. Prayer enables us to get in touch with what God is doing and how God is doing something. Now let me give you an example from Scripture. In 2 Kings chapter 6, there is a story about Elijah and the uh, armies that are circling his home, ready to do him in. And his servant comes and says, uh, Elijah, we're in big trouble. Um, there's, there's, look at, just, just, just look. <laughs> we're, we're dead men. And I love the words of Elijah. Listen, listen to what he says. Listen to what he prays. In verses 15 through 17, he says, And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, and behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that are with us are more than they that uh, be with them. And Elisha uh, prayed and, and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire around about Elisha. God allows us when we're praying for others for, and we're waiting upon him for him to open our eyes and see what God is doing, not what you and I are doing, not what Satan's doing, but what is God doing? Where is God at work in this? Prayer opens our eyes and enables us to see just what God is doing. To see things that we were blinded to without prayer. That's because prayer is simply a communication with our Heavenly Father. When, when we speak to God, God answers us by speaking to us and showing us He's at work around us. Number four, prayer aligns our heart with God's heart. You know, when we oftentimes start off in our prayer life, it's oftentimes about this or that, and we begin to spend more time in prayer, and all of a sudden we start praying in a different way and in a different light, and we start praying for things that really matter and things that are not superficial. How's that happen? 
Because the more that we pray, the longer we stay in prayer, the longer it is that God has opportunity to align our heart to his heart. God's desire is for us to pray his will done, not our will done. Jesus taught us that when he taught us the, the prayer of how to pray. He said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not, Lord, let my will be done in heaven as, as I desire on earth but just the opposite. In prayer, our desire can become more like God's desire as we align our hearts with the will of God and the will for God in us. John writing in 1 John chapter 5 and verses 14 and 15, and he said this, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desire of him. We therefore, according to this passage, are called to pray in a way that reflects Christ's will in our life, not our will in Christ's life. If we pray in this manner, our desire and hopes become more like Christ because we train ourselves to hope for things that are, are consistent with His plans. The more time that we spend in God's Word, the more we're going to get to know Him, the more we're going to know His will for things and how, as we pray, we're not going to be praying in our, our worldly flesh. We're going to be praying in our spirit life. We're going to be praying the things of God back to Him. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 makes it clear by introducing the Holy Spirit's role in our life. By saying, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Thank God that he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit to dwell in us and for us. You and I ought to pray, first and foremost, God, before I start asking you anything, Holy Spirit, will you help me to pray for the things that I need to pray for today? For these things are important. He will. The Spirit's job is to align our heart with God's heart to make our prayers more effective in that we are no longer praying selfishly, but we are praying spiritually for others. The last thing that we find here is prayer enables us to move forward. Prayer engages God, enables God's people, and enlarges God's kingdom. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Once we have prayed, then we are ready to do anything. Until we have prayed, we can do nothing. But once we've prayed, we can accomplish anything. I will never forget what Ray Menton told me sitting on the back porch of his house one day when we were discussing the issue of prayer. He said, boy, there are times for you to get up off your knees and put feet to your prayers. Prayer moves people. It moves the heart of God. It moves God's heart in us. And it gets us off our knees and gets us doing what God has called us to do. Prayer for others is so important because it's beyond ourselves. It's about others. So let me close as I started this morning with a new question. What does your intercessory prayer look like today? This morning, is it superficial and generic, or is it in-depth? Are you persistent in prayer? Are your prayers all about you, or do they include others? Are they filled with intensity and fervor, or are they simply just weak and frail?
timid and lacking of faith. Are you this morning praying for others? Is there someone in your life that you're praying that will get saved? Or praying for someone that they will have opportunity to share the gospel with somebody else? Are you helping to carry the burdens of others to the Lord? Or are you simply just asking God for your wants and your needs? Intercessory prayer is something that we all need to practice. Something we all need to get better at. Something that we ought to be doing one for another. So as the Apostle Paul asked, I ask you today, pray for us. Pray for us that we will have the opportunity to move the church forward in the midst of a, uh, the hopefully wrapping up of a pandemic. That we will get back on track. Get back at doing what God's called us to do. Stop... Um, praying for just ourselves and start praying for others that God will move them and use them for the furtherance of His kingdom. For those of you that are at home, we thank you for joining us this morning. We hope that the songs, the message, the Spirit of the Lord was as real with you today as it was here in this place. We pray that God will open doors of opportunity for you as well. If we as a church can help you in any way, the information of how to contact us is there on the bottom of the screen, so please do that, and we'd be glad to reach out to you. We thank you for worshiping with us, and we'll see you again next week.